Somebody ought to take about 60 seconds and praise him like it's already done in the building. for what he's already done in the building. See, we love, we love to give him a Psalm 150 praise. And we should. Psalm 150 says to praise him according to his mighty acts and to praise him for his excellent greatness. That means that when I look back and I think about all that he's done for me, I've got to give him a praise. But there is an element of the prophetic in God's people praise because we don't just praise him for what he's already done we know how to praise him for what we haven't even seen come to pass so when we begin to say it's already done we're not talking about things that are in our past but we're declaring what is in our future as already done what do you believe in God for what are you asking God to do you ought to take a moment right here and praise him like it's already done hey! somebody give it praise Already done. 
Sunday morning. I'm like the writer today that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He said, I didn't even wait till I got there to get happy. Just when they told me we were going to church, I got excited about it. I rolled out of my bed this morning, uh, ready to give him praise. Uh, I opened my eyes this morning, uh, ready for a miracle. Uh, come on, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. I want to take just a quick moment to give a great big welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us today. I need you to put your hands together and help me make some noise. 
Come on, we can do better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord this morning. We are so excited to have you here. If you are at the Rock Church this morning for the very first time, we want to say how excited we are to meet you. And uh, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you walked in this morning, if this is your first time. And this is an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP hospitality room after the service. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you as a token of our appreciation uh, that you would come and spend a Sunday morning with us. And so immediately after the service, we would love for you to join us for a quick time. Everybody knows what VIP stands for, very important person. And we want you to know you're a very important person, amen? We have a little understanding here at this church that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home here at the Rock Church. Would you help me turn around and tell everybody sitting around you this morning, welcome home. Come on, turn 360 degrees. The, they're behind you, they're on the left, they're on the right. Lean up and tell them, welcome home, welcome home. Amen, we're so excited to have you in the house of the Lord. It is so awesome to have uh, Brother Jordan Smith with us this morning and his wonderful family all the way from Washington. They are helping us with some implementation of new technology around here and it's an honor to have them and their beautiful little daughter, Vivi. She is so precious. Hi. Hello. <laughs> We're excited that they're here in the house of the Lord with us this morning. And uh, so good to look out and see Brother James Moore in the house with us. Come on, somebody give God a great big praise. Amen. He is, he is on a mission of missions. And uh, we're so excited about what God is doing in his life and Sister Tabitha's life. Yes. Amen. And uh, we're honored that he's here this morning. He's just at home this morning, but we love him. So excited he's here. And uh, good to have Brother Steve Mead and his family with us this morning. His wife and his daughter, we're so excited. Help me give them a great big hand clap of welcome this morning. And just a few moments ago, I was over here dancing and shouting, and I looked over and I saw Sister Martin in the house. Help me give a great big hand. Welcome, sis. She's just at home this morning. She knows that. Help me welcome her to the house of the Lord. And uh, to all the rest of you that are here, we're so grateful and excited to have you in the house of the Lord. God has been doing some absolutely mind-blowing things here at the Rock Church. And uh, we're grateful that you're here to help be a part of that this morning. And uh, this is Supernatural Sunday. Anybody feel it in the building already? This is an incredible weekend, and this weekend for us represents an opportunity uh, for us to make some commitments to God that our, uh, God is using to propel us into the future of what God is doing 
not just here in Fort Myers, but in Lee County, in the state of Florida, across the United States of America, and absolutely around the globe from right here in this place. You came to a world-changing church this morning. Yeah. And uh, God is doing incredible things. We have daughter works in the country of Haiti, seven daughter works that are uh, having absolutely incredible revival. Uh, God is opening an amazing door. I think March 11th, uh, King Jeffrey Wyaberry from Uganda, Africa will be with us for several days. God is opening up some incredible doors for us in Uganda, Africa, and uh, we are posturing ourselves to be used uh, in, a, in a spectacular way. We don't have time to mess around. Amen, somebody? Anybody realize we don't have time to be distracted? We don't have time to procrastinate? We, we got to get it done. Amen? And it is such an honor this morning to have back with us all the way from Richmond, Virginia, uh, my dear friend, Pastor Marty Varnell. Would you help me give him a great big welcome back? in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Uh, Brother Varnell pastors an amazing church in Richmond, Virginia, and he and I have mutual connections that go way, way, way back. And uh, I I'm so grateful that God has allowed us to be connected. He was here a few years ago and uh, I think was taught one of our leadership sessions and was with us on a midweek service. And we're so honored to have him back for Supernatural Sunday. Would you help me stand to your feet all over the building as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this place? How many of you understand that when all of the running is done, when all of the shouting is over with, when all of the dancing and celebration, that our lives have to be founded on the word of God? Amen, somebody. And we want him to come. We want him to obey the Holy Ghost for this service. How many of you came ready to respond to whatever God is doing in the building? Would you put your hands together one more time? Give God a great big praise as Pastor Varnell comes to deliver the word. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, everybody in the house. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Give him great praise. Give him great praise. There is a scripture that has been perplexing me for quite some time. It's the scripture that says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. How do I do that? When he made the stars, he only used six words to take credit for it. And he made the stars also. The word also troubles me. It's like it wasn't a big deal. 
you walk out on a clear night, you look up and you see the endless sky. And you see light from a star that started this way over two million years ago. And I am left in utter amazement at God's ability. And yet he keeps telling me, I want you to praise me according to my excellent greatness. I propose to you if we had the wherewithal physically to spend the next one million years on our feet with our hands in the air and our voices raised singing and dancing and shouting we would still fall well short of the greatness of our God. And yet we come in this house still battling with doubt and fear and anxiety. We have preached and taught something that is not right. We have told people that fear and faith cannot live in the same soul. Yet I find in my Bible, I got to preach what I'm supposed to preach. I'm going to mess up here. The man brought his son to Jesus and said he's helplessly vexed of the devil. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do with him. Can you heal him? And Jesus said, all things are possible if you can believe. And this man blew our theology up. He said, I do believe, but I also have times when my, I have times when my faith fails me. I have times when I'm late at night by myself and fear grips my heart and I have doubts. And he said, help thou mine unbelief. In the soil of the same soul, standing before the Savior of the world, this man taught us something being a human is not our sin battling with anxiety and fear and doubt that sometimes gets us to a place to where we're informed in our faith by the disappointments of life more 
than the prospect of God's provision. And so we have moments of unbelief. I would point out this. The boy left healed. He had fear and he had faith. He had a grip that God could do it. That's why he was there. But he also worried about unbelief. Can I tell you that there are times you're going to have for your faith. The Bible said, Abraham, you're going to have a boy. Now, hang on a minute, God. I'm old. The factory is closed. What about my, my handmaid over here? The Bible says this, and I got to go. The Bible said that Abraham, against hope, chose hope. When it was physically impossible, he made a choice. The man had doubt in his heart, but he still chose hope because he loaded that boy up and took him to Jesus. Well, Pastor, how do, how do I choose hope? How do I maintain faith? How do I battle fear and unbelief and doubt? That same scripture when it says against hope, chose hope. Abraham, against hope or in the face of impossibility, chose hope. And the last part of that scripture says glorifying God. Let me tell you how you hold on to your faith in the moments of doubt. All by yourself at home at 2 a.m. when you're walking the floor and worrying. Stop your worrying and replace it with glorify. God, everything around me looks impossible. It doesn't look like this can work out. There's no way, God. I don't know how you're going to do this. But I don't have to work it out. It's not my job to understand how. My faith. What you doing, honey? Working on my faith. Baby, you gotta go to work in the morning. It's three in the morning. I know, but I'm trying to deal with some doubt. What you worrying about? It ain't a big deal. God's got it. I just gotta work on me. can pray.
praise God when everything is going right. But it takes a saint of God that when everything is going wrong, will crawl out of bed in the middle of the night with not a single musician around and nobody singing, no drums got me up. Get in the living room. What are you doing? I'm feeding my faith and I'm starving my unbelief. I don't know where that came from and I don't know who I'm talking to. But I'm here for a different purpose this morning and I will honor Bishop's request. But I just feel prophetically, I I don't want to make myself out to be something I'm not. I am not a prophet nor the son of one. But from time to time, the Holy Ghost will deal with me. And I feel like telling somebody or several somebodies in this house. If the devil could have done what he's been telling you he's going to do, he would have already done it. If the devil could kill you, you'd already be dead. If the devil could make all that stuff that you've been sitting in your bed and crying about and tormented and terrorized about, he'd have already done it. The devil, God, I feel like telling somebody this. The devil can only do what God gives him express permission to do. Hey, Lord. Let's consider your servant, Job. He's only serving you because you've blessed him. And if you was to let me take some stuff from him, there's the key. If you, God, were to let me, Satan, touch him, in that phrase is everything you need to know. The devil cannot do what he's been telling you he can do. He can only do what my daddy says he can do. And he can't do one thing more than what my daddy said he could do. So I want everybody in this room to lift both of your hands if you're physically capable. used to pray I remember my grandmother praying late at night Jesus be a fence around me there is nothing that shall overtake you 
but that which my God has designed to perfect you and not one hair of your head will be touched I, I gotta I gotta raise money here hold on I got to never seen spiritual warfare in the United States. I've seen it overseas, but I've never seen spiritual warfare in the United States like I've been in it in the last six months. I've seen grown men sit in front of me and shake uncontrollably and weep for fear. Strong men, not weak men, strong men. And here's what makes me so mad I could spit nails. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. I've got to raise money, but God have mercy. Somebody in this room needs to understand. You are caught up in the age. The Bible talks about the spirit of the age. The Greek word for that is eon, E-O-N, the time. It translates literally time, but biblically and theologically when it's used, it, 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 it doesn't, in that difference, there's two times that the word talks about eon, are two different types of the same word. One of them is the material world. It's the ground and, and the trees and the, but the other one, Eon, is the spirit of the age. You're caught up in the spirit of the age. And you're living in a time of unbelievable potential and possibility. But you're also living in a time, the Bible, Isaiah said it this way, Satan knows he has but little time. So he has come down with great wrath. But I also would like to point you to Isaiah when he said that the children of Mount Seir, the word Seir, S-E-I-R, is a word that simply means the hairy, shaggy, unidentifiable ones. There are spirits that he has reserved for the last days. Satan has held back some troops, but now he's releasing the children of Mount Seir. There's spirits that we've never dealt with we're dealing with right now. They're calling women men and men women, and you get to pick. If you want to today, brother, you can get up in the morning and say, I feel like a giraffe. I'm going to be a giraffe today, and you've got to refer to me as a giraffe. No, you a guy. And he made us male and female, made he them. Put a period after that. I'm not trying to get off of no political speech. If you want to know what politician means in the Greek, it means highly paid liar. And I don't care what party they're from. They don't care about you. They're all out for one thing, for themselves. So don't get caught up in the last days in political stupidity. God didn't call us to preach a social gospel. God didn't call us 
to push one party over another. God called us to shine a light to the world in spite of that. First uh, Kings 17. I got to preach because I, I know where I'm going with that and it's going to be an altar call. These are beautiful screens, wonderful cameras, high definition, and all of that to show this. I'm against it. And then I turn around and in high definition realize and then I turn this way and realize there is but a small fence across here between the area in the back And I didn't need no hair camera to tell me I was suffering with old age. I, I have done something to my back and my left sciatica. Every time I sat, I sat down over there, I shouldn't have sat down. I sat down and when I got up to come up here, I was staggering around like I'd been on a three-day drunk. I couldn't get my leg to work. Amen. But I will tell you this, I got to worshiping God and felt better sort of forgot about it. First Kings 17, while you're turning there, verse 8. Let me say what a distinct honor it is to be with you here. What a great church. What a great church. Now, today's going to be different. I've already done my preaching. I did my preaching up front. I'm going to do a little teaching now. You'll let me. Tonight, you come back. Man, I'll, I'll preach my socks down around my ankles. I'll stomp around, act. Like I got good sense. But this morning I have to give you something that God gave me that is going to move the church forward. I think at last count, and I haven't checked, my wife keeps my records, but I believe we're somewhere around 20, $25 million raised for churches. Amen. And today's going to be different. When your pastor called me and talked to me about this, there were two times in the conversation that I felt an overwhelming witness of the Spirit. I get called to do this all the time. Uh, ever let anybody know you can raise money without putting pressure on people? And I ain't going to pressure none of you today. If you don't want to give joyfully, look at me. Keep your money. God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He can do it without any of us. He don't need my hide. Bible said God likes a joyful giver. So if you're not thrilled about the possibilities of unlocking the supernatural, keep your money. We don't need it. I had one man tell me one time, well, I'm going to take my tithes and leave your church. I said, sir. I'm going to fill up this five-gallon bucket out here in the yard with water. And I want you to put your hand down in it and pull it out. And however long it takes the hole to fill up where your hand was is how long it'll take God to replace every dime 
that you're trying to take. God doesn't need me. He don't need you. You not got God over a barrel. You're not in no bargaining position. And you're not going to buy God's favor. You're going to get God's favor by living according to his word. We are an apostolic church. We do believe the Bible means what it says. Our women ought to look like women and our men ought to look like men and we should not ever get the two of them mixed. And I like this platform. It's all men and ain't none of them looking like anything else but men. They good and ugly. I like it. I like some good ugly musicians. Amen. I'm just teasing. Well, sort of. Some of y'all need some help. Amen. I have the strongest urge to unplug something back here. I have an overwhelming urge just to see what will happen. But I'm not going to do it. My wife would find out and I'm not scared of y'all, but she's little, but she's mean. Woo. Amen. Where was I? I was doing something. Alzheimer's is great. Y'all ought to try it. Get up every day and meet a new guy. You get that after a while. You'll be all right. You get it in a minute. First Kings 17, 8. By the way, you are blessed and happy birthday, Bishop. Bishop's like me. He's lost 10,000 pounds. It's the same 10 a thousand times. They call me yo-yo at the church. He's up, he's down. He's up, he's down. Why would God, you see, I have a problem with this. God is not a respecter of persons. Hold up just a minute. Some of you jokers, like you on the piano. I don't even like you. I don't trust skinny apostolic people. Something the matter with them. I am not a respecter of person. I bet, I bet everything you eat is bad. And still skinny. You know, Peter walked by and his shadow healed that man. I walked by a biscuit and my behind gets bigger. I just walked by it. I've lost 51 pounds. I'm gonna need y'all to be excited about that. No, y'all gotta do better than that. I've been in a bad mood for eight months. Thank you. Guy asked me, said, how'd you lose this weight? I said, I've been in a real bad mood for eight months. And my wife is one of them people can eat anything she wants to and don't gain weight. And she'll come in the house at night with a dozen donuts going, these are not for you. At three in the morning, everything in that kitchen's for me. And if you don't post a guard, I'm going. First Kings, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, arise, get thee to Zarephath. Everybody say it was a command. Which belongeth to Zidon and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded 
Everybody say widow woman. A widow woman there to sustain thee. Every instance in the Bible where God shows the miraculous with finance and supernatural things, he always uses widow women. Why not bankers? Why not wealthy people? Let me tell you why. Because this church did not be, was not built from its inception in the upper room until today by wealthy people. This church has been built, propagated, and the mission of the world accomplished with the gospel by common working people like us. There's a spirit of preaching in here, and that's a, that's a bad problem for me. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain me. Everybody say, he commanded the prophet to go. He commanded her to sustain him. So he arose and went to Zarephath. By the way, Zarephath means to be trapped by your own words. God, help me, we ain't gonna get out to four o'clock if I keep this up. But a lot of us, God blesses us. He pronounces blessing in our life and we go out of church and start taking our mouths and destroying it. Ain't nobody ever gave me nothing. And nobody ever will. Until you learn our of life and death is in your tongue. And if you can't speak faith, be silent. If you can't speak blessing into your life, my God, shut up and quit putting traps in your life. You're building Zarephath. You're building a place of famine. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, I don't recommend this husband. I recommend that all the husbands say this much nicer than this. Do not go home and say, fetch me some water. She will fetch you a knot upside your noggins, what she's going to do. I'm married. She's little. She's mean. She's not really mean as long as I'm doing what I'm told. All the married men in here, say amen. Look straight ahead. Don't laugh. Don't do anything. You'll get in trouble. Our wives have us trained. Sister Williams came in the office this morning where Bishop Williams and I were holding forth and said, Honey, there's a lot of us, so don't you think we should be in the... Uh, the VIP room. It was so sweet. It was so kind. And she walked out and I said, that's how they control us. That's how they tell us what to do. And we, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, honey. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. They train us. Honey, are you a little cold? That means get out of the bed, stupid, and go turn the air down. And he said to the widow woman, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, 
He called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. He's a preacher. He's hungry. It happens. Much like to me right now. And she said, watch this, verse 12. As the Lord thy God liveth, not my God, thy God, I have not a cake. I don't have enough to give you, man. But a handful of meal in a barrel. A handful of meal in a barrel. And a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering, everybody say two sticks. You ain't gonna cook much with two sticks. She didn't have much to cook. She's gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it or prepare it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She was in a horrible financial place. She had already reconciled herself to a horrible death of starvation. And Elijah, everybody say the man of God, said unto her, fear not. It's easy for you to say, you're not starving to death. Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. Go make the, make the little cake. Watch me. This is where faith takes over. But make me thereof a little cake first. Maybe. Maybe he's old and hard of hearing. He must not have heard me either that or he's dumb as a brick. I just told you I have enough to make a handful for me and my son. We're going to eat it and die. And you're talking about give me one first. And then go back. And after, after you've obeyed the man of God, go back and make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Verse 15 is the most powerful verse of faith I've ever read in the Bible. A woman facing starvation between her and her child obeyed the man of God. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, not according to God. He said, thus saith the Lord. She went and did what she was told. And the barrel hmm, of meal wasted not. Verse 15, she did according to the saying of Elijah. Now notice this next phrase. This is, everybody look at me. This is not just about raising money today. This is about purchasing your own place. Now, I'm going to say some things right here, and some of you are going to go, well, I don't know. You don't know what property values are in South Florida, but uh, yes, I do. I own a place, and I, I, got, I got it. It is not the will of God that this church rent this building. So, Brother Barnett, how do you know? I know. It's the will of God that you own your building. But watch me. Miracles do not happen until you put water in the pump. 
the way it's always been in the Bible. I can prove it to you. I don't have time today because I've messed around too much before. But there's an old farmer used to live around. Jack Higgins was his name. Wore overalls to church. Good man. Loved God. Supported. Couldn't read or write. Good man, though. Supported God. Loved God. Always bringing us eggs and stuff out to garden and greens. I don't eat greens, but my mother ate greens all the time. Green, fried green tomato sandwiches. Y'all don't know about all that. He had an old pump, water pump in his front yard. And we had a, a youth boys camping trip at his house on his farm. My idea of camping is a hotel that don't have room service. But uh, he, uh, them old boys is out there, them little boys out there pumping and pumping and pumping. Saying, this thing's broke. Nothing's coming out. Well, hanging on the bottom of it's a little can with some water in it. He walked out there and reached down and got that can and poured it in the pump. Then he started pumping. And all of a sudden, water started coming out. Look at me. Before you ever unlock supernatural things, you have to put in. But it's not just about money. Verse 15 gives us a revelation that I've never seen anywhere in the scripture. It ties her sacrifice to revival. It says that not only did her obedience and sacrifice feed her and feed the prophet, but it says, and she, and he, her son. And then it says this, and her household. The Hebrew word there is the same for the house of David, the house of Saul. It meant every relative, everybody. Watch me. Your sacrifice today will do something to unlock supernatural revival. And it's not going to just provide for you and your family and your church. It's going to provide for everybody. Look at me. There is a dimension There is a dimension in this church. Praise and worship, y'all got that one. Y'all got that worked out. Great job, by the way. The word, you got that worked out. Worship, you got it worked out. Prayer, I hear about it all the time from y'all. I don't know how much you give, but I'm here to tell you this. There's another dimension that unlocks revival, and that's sacrificial giving. And she and he and her whole house did eat many days. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning, and I do have to hurry because we're supposed to be out of here in 30 minutes and we ain't going to make it. And I'm hungry. I want to talk to you from this subject, unlocking the supernatural. Unlocking the supernatural. You may be ticked. Thank you. Just one or two or three or nine hang around. I might get inspired and start singing. And then we're going to need a praise team to get up here quick. When I start singing, sound man goes to scrambling in the back. He's getting the getting choir up and get the pastor down. God, that's awful. Get that, that get, Jesus help us. God did not call me to sing, apparently. 
There are things in life that you can put off till later. There's things you can put off. There is. I mean, if you don't believe it, ask your husband to fix something around the house. He'll demonstrate it for you. You don't have to ask me every six months. I'm going to do it eventually. And if you see me with any tools, get them. Get them from me right now. Because it's going to cost you more. There's some things we can put off. There really are. Going to the dentist. Put it off to the last minute. I'm, I'm with you. I don't care if your breath stinks. Them people hurt you, man. They get paid a lot of money to inflict pain. I do not want nobody taking a sharp piece of metal and scraping on my tooth. I, 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 I. Ah. And I don't know why they put me in a chair that goes down and up like that. When I'm at the dentist, I'm as straight. Put me on a, just a straight table. I put a lot of stuff off, man. I do. It's freezing. I don't want to go out there and take the trash out. So I had two boys. Hey, take your mama's trash out. But then there's other things that you cannot afford to put off. Like when I tried to put off and ignore my blood pressure. I had a headache for five years, and I'm not joking. I had a headache for five years. And I thought I had bad sinuses. I'm a preacher. I'm in all kind of places. I'm flying all the time. I'm in cold weather and hot weather, and I'm preaching and going outside, and I got bad sinuses, and I've had a headache for five years. And the doctor looked at me and said, you have not had sinus headaches for five years. You have had blood pressure headaches because your blood pressure is 265 on the top over 198 on the bottom. And I don't know how you're standing up right. And I don't know how you hadn't had a stroke. How long has this been going on, you say? About five years. Go lay down on that bed right over there. And then he gave me medicine and they just turned the lights down. For three weeks. I could not drive. I could not go up and down the stairs of my house. I just sat in a chair and tried to hold on until they finally got the medicine regulated. But I will tell you this. It's how dumb I am. I haven't had a headache since. And I just kept putting it off. Churches are much like that. And the things of God are like that. We put off a lot of stuff we have to do with God. I don't want to go have that prayer meeting where I get corrected. I don't want to go have that prayer meeting where I'm told, no, you know you're not living right. I want to put that one off. I want to go to church and I want to get it. Hey Amen. I want to go to church and dance and worship. I want to feel better, God. I'm here to feel better. He said, well, we got to talk about some stuff first. But I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to the mission of the church, you cannot put that off one second. Everything about souls, listen to me, write this down on the back of your eyelids. Everything about souls is always referred to in the immediate tense in the scripture. Today is the day of salvation. We do 
not have to be theological geniuses and prophecy gurus to pick up the newspaper and read it and realize that we are living in the last days and that what we're going to do for Jesus Christ, we don't have a week or a month or two months to put it off. We gotta get up right now and we gotta be about the Father's business. As long as we wait, People will die, and everybody that dies without hearing uh, the blessed gospel of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, they die at our peril on our watch. We have to get more intense, uh, and we have to get desperate about the mission of the church. Oh, come on, somebody. Everybody that goes to hell goes to hell on my watch. I have called you, the Bible said, for such a time as this. You don't have time to be lazy and run around and wait. Furthermore, we have to get past this spirit of limiting what we will and will not do for God. Several years ago, I told my wife, I said, well, there's some stuff I'm not willing to do. And I thought I was justified and right. And I got up the next morning and went for my prayer time. And for the better part of two hours, God beat the ever-living stuffing out of me, saying, well, how would you have felt had I adopted that attitude concerning your sin and the cross? What if my limit was just this side of the cross and I was unwilling to go do that for you? The Bible says uh, that his visage was so marred uh, that he was unrecognizable. Uh, this guy did not set limits. Uh, Jesus never set limits uh, on how far he would go for us. Uh, they beat that man till you couldn't even recognize who he was. And we over here talking about, well, there's only so much I'm willing to do. <laughs> okay. We have to get past the limitation paradigm. So we got to realize I got to do everything now. And we got to take the limits off of what we're willing to do. You have a divinely ordered mission from God himself to win as many people as possible to his kingdom before he comes back to get his bride out of here. Yes, that means you. If you're not teaching a Bible study, guess what? You're not doing what you were called to the kingdom for. Well, Brother Barnett, I don't like that. I don't know all the answers. Nobody knows all the answers. I get a little perturbed with people who want to use the fact that they don't study the scripture enough as the reason why they can't win the lost. Like that justifies them in the eyes of man or God. Are you kidding me? You just confess to two sins, not one. <laughs> <laughs> 
and neither of them justify each other. Well, I'm afraid I'll mess up. Tell him something wrong. Bring him to church. We'll get it straightened out. And I'm going to tell you something else. While you're teaching the Bible study, it never hurts to just be honest. Well, they'll ask me stuff I don't know. I've been studying the Bible for 40 years, and I don't know half the stuff. And there's nothing wrong with looking at a lost soul and saying, I don't know. We have got it in our head that to do something for Christ, we have to know this thing cover to cover and have every answer. That is a demonically inspired lie that we have bought. We don't have to know everything. We just have to be willing to try. I promise you, you know more than the dude you're teaching. It's hard to get apostolics to shout about something they need to change. So let's understand something here today. And I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. As much as I can hurry. We have to stop making excuses why we're not functioning for the purpose that we're called for. Huh. Well, I love souls. How many Bible studies are you teaching? None. Liar. You have warm feelings for souls. You wish everybody could be saved. But you're watching them drown while you hold the life vest in your hand and talking about how much you love me. If I'm dying of a snake bite and you've got the antivenom in a syringe and you're standing by me telling me how much you love me but you will not stick it in me and plunge it down, I'm gonna start questioning whether or not you really do love me. I got the antivenom right here. I don't have to know how the lights in this building work to be able to use them. I'm still going to flip the switch because I need to see. I don't know how water quenches thirst, but I'm not going to quit drinking water. And I don't know every answer about the Bible, but I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to quit reaching for souls. I have 13 young preachers in my church and I have a schedule that I use them on and they know well in advance what's coming up. They have to turn into me on a regular basis, one sermon, one Bible study, whether you're preaching or not. I don't know you're studying. Some of you all think you're called of God. What you're called for is the limelight. I don't, I'm not trying to be ugly or rude here today. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I really am. I'm practicing to be a grandpa. I'll give your kids anything. I'll give them a hand grenade if they want it. I'm practicing to be a grandpa. Sure, baby. You want 39 cookies? Knock yourself out. I don't care. I'm sending you home. I sat in my office and sat at the church and drank coffee and kids come by and look at me and I just give them some. I, 
I don't, I'm going to sleep tonight. I, your mama, I, but I don't. They'll come up. Give it to them. Here, drink that, baby. That's, that's a water of life right there. It's coffee, amen. And then they're just bouncing off the wall and mama don't know why. And I'm just grinning in the corner. Just to... I ain't going to have to rock you out to sleep tonight. I'm not here to be ugly to you. I'm, a, I'm practicing to be a grandpa. I know all y'all know that your parents had rules for you, but when you gave them grandkids, the rules magically disappeared. My mama would beat the hide off of you if you touched some stuff in her house. With whatever was nearby, a lamp cord, a wooden shoe. Y'all remember when they wore them wooden shoes with the leathers? I've been beat with one of them. You did not touch stuff. We didn't put stuff up in the Barnell house. You didn't touch it. Touch it and see what I, I will be. I, mm. I heard a lady in our church the other day, a dear Jamaican lady, she told her son, I will beat the black off of you. And I'm like, whoa, hey, yeah, whoa, hey. Hey, hey no, no, oh, easy. I don't know if that, is that common? Excuse us. Y'all mama, is there areas that's white that we don't know about? I never heard that one before. Will be the black. Oh, Jesus, that's going to hurt. Don't do that. I'm not trying to be ugly to y'all. I'm not. I'm trying to get us to think about things that we just float through life and never really come to terms with. Let, let me just make it plain for you. If we don't do what we're called to do, they will go to hell. We have the answer for their problem. We have life and they're living in death. We have hope and they're hopeless. We have love and they live in a loveless world. We have compassion and they don't even understand what it is half the time. We have gentleness and meekness and humility and all they know is just rage and anger and being beaten on by society. We have the answers and we're sitting around dancing about how we have the answer while they're dying and going to hell on our streets. Do you not see the disconnect? Those young preachers in my church know if you're going to get in this pulpit, you will be teaching a Bible study. If you don't have a Bible study, we don't want to hear nothing you got to say. We don't want you telling us how to live if you're not living like you're talking about. 
Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, the day of apostolics getting together and dancing about how special we are needs to stop. It needs to come to a close. Uh, they need to be able to see it. I ought not have to tell you what I am and what I believe. You ought to be able to look at me and see it. Come on, how many souls have you invited to church? Uh, how many Bible studies are you teaching? Don't tell me you love God if you don't love them. Now I need to say one more thing and we're gonna go to the meat of the matter and we're gonna take our offering. We don't have long. War, rumors of war. Earthquakes in diverse places. And I read the paper this last week. We just sent tanks to Ukraine to fight against Russia, who is an unstable nuclear power. Wars and rumors of wars. What that literally translates to is wars and proliferation of wars. Earthquakes, about a heard of Turkey, Syria. They're estimating what, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12,000 people dead now? We're living in the last days. Men's hearts are failing them for fear. Sin and darkness are ramping up like I've never seen before. We got people confused about their gender. Take your pants off, stupid. I'm not trying to be ugly. You are what you are. You may feel like something else today, but that don't change the fact of what you are. I feel 18 and good looking sometimes, but it ain't a fact. The Bible says that just before Jesus comes back, all of those signs will be pointing to him. You'll see them all. But we have always relied on some things in the Pentecostal apostolic movement, and they work for certain things. We believe in prayer around here. We believe in prayer. We believe prayer changes things. We believe prayer materially changes situations. We believe in worship. We believe in fasting. We don't like it, but we believe in it. The problem with me fasting is I get really hungry. And then I get hangry. And then I get in a bad mood. And then I really got to go pray some more. How many of you have ever got up and got busy and forgot to eat till the evening time? Can I see hands? But if you tell yourself you're fasting tomorrow... You will wake up chewing on the bedpost. And every sign you see driving to work will have a hamburger on it. A picture of pancakes with syrup. Biscuits and gravy, steak. Never see that when I'm eating.
Because what you deny the flesh, it begins to assert hunger for it. So we believe in prayer and fasting and worship. We believe in the word. We just don't believe in doing all of it. Now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over here. I, I don't have time for all this, but I'm going to say this. I asked my dad. I grew up on the mission field. I've seen supernatural things happen that would blow your mind. Come here, ma'am. Yes, come here. Stand right here. Turn around. No, no. I saw a lady about, what are you, 20s? 22. I don't even remember 22. I have no memory of being 22. It's been so long. God help me. Enjoy it. You're going to look. I'm sorry. It's coming. Genetics are a terrible thing. I saw a lady in her mid-20s, early 20s, about this young lady's age. She came into a meeting one night. We were having church, much like this. And on the side of her face, from her ear to almost touching her, she had what we call, my mom told me it's a gorder. I didn't know what a gorder was. It's a growth. And it was so big that it had her face pulled out of. And you could tell that it affected her in every way. She, she wouldn't look at you. She was kind of walking like she was going trying to hide it. It was affecting her emotions. She felt ugly. We got to heaven church and another sister, an older lady in the church was dancing up at the front of the church. And this girl came in and that woman stopped and turned around and saw this young lady, started dancing again. And when that girl stepped out of her pew to come up, that woman was over here and I watched it. She didn't see her stand up. The Holy Ghost was directing her. She turned around and danced right back over there and met her at the front. And as she walked by, she just pointed at that gorder and I watched this. I watched it shrink. <laughs> I didn't hear about it. I watched her neck look as normal as her neck. Don't tell me God can't do it. I watched it. I watched a man be brought in much like the lame man they brought to Jesus. Uh, they brought him in. He was on a stretcher type thing with some wheels on it. Really, it was a, something you'd haul a... a they make stuff up in the Philippines. They got, they, they're poor. It was something, you, a dolly is what it was. And they had his knees strapped so they wouldn't buckle. And he was leaning back and they were rolling him in. They had blankets and stuff for him to be more comfortable. They rolled him in and kind of leaned him back and had something jury rigged on the back of it where they could stand him up a little bit. And he kind of sat up a little bit, couldn't walk. Got to asking. He had never walked a day in his life. His legs were that big around. Holy Ghost got to moving. Spirit got to moving. And all of a sudden, he began to scream and hold his legs. Screaming, ah, in pain, holding his legs. 
we all of a sudden, everybody's looking at him. The Holy Ghost, that church knew what to do. Well, they started getting with it. They were worshiping God. Several of the elders went over and laid their hands on that man. He said, take it off. Take it off. Take it off. It hurts. They took it off, expecting him to buckle. He stepped out of that thing, wobbly, didn't hardly know how to walk. They had to hold him up. But when last time I saw him, he was trying to dance between two men. He had never used them before. I'm telling you, God has a place of supernatural things that we don't live in anymore. There's three men in my church, well, two men and one lady in my church right now. Well, actually, one of them's gone. There's a man and a woman in my church now. I pastor a military church. They come and go. You got to keep up. Name's Charlie Pavey. He's our administrator, diagnosed with cancer. We got to praying for him. Completely cancer free. Lady in my church, horribly bent over, back, spine, just, I mean, it looks like a dollar sign. Spine was, she walked, she was hunched over all the time. Got to have a church one Sunday morning. And I said, I got a bunch of Jamaicans in my, they wear big hats. They'll give you the dress, but don't touch the hat. And they'll talk to you. You'll say, the Lord said, 75. And what did he say? And then they get to worshiping. I tell them all the time, Jamaicans help the white people. They can shout, cut a rug, and look dignified. Never move. A lot of stuff going on. Hat, never move. Church got to going on. Her name is Medallion Clark. The one that's hunched over. Church got to going on and Mother Sharp. Now, I don't know what y'all call them, but we have some elderly Jamaican ladies. We call them Mother. I guess when you achieve a certain age, you're Mother and what that means is don't mess with mama. Woo. She ain't no joke. We had a lady come in and start cutting up in church one time. Next thing I know, the usher's standing there like froze, like deer in the headlights. Mama Sharp had her by the ear, man. She was on her tiptoes getting out of church. She's explaining to her how we don't do that. I was like, you got it. <laughs> mama Sharp, she's gone on to be with the Lord. Now Mama Sharp got the feeling the Holy Ghost. She got out now. Now, Mom Sharp was large, okay? Ooh, Mom Sharp took up more than her fair share of pew. But uh, she was worshiping and worshiping. And she walked by and just said, what? It helps if they, if you're really gonna get healed, we're gonna shake you a little bit. And all of a sudden, she screamed and stood upright. 
I saw her Wednesday night at church, this past Wednesday night. She came in straight as a board, just come right on in. Told her she'd never have, be able to have children because of her spine, all that. She's got kids, got two kids, a boy and a girl. I'm just telling you, I've seen supernatural things. I've seen God do stuff that doctors can't explain. I, I just had a conversation with a lady who the doctor said she had so much going on in her body. Went back and now they're all bum-fuzzled. We don't know what happened. Ma'am, our tests must have been wrong. No, your tests weren't wrong. We saw the x-rays. Our God is just right. Dad died last year at Christmas, not this past one, a year ago. Almost 80 years old. Started Bible schools all over the world, missionary. Started five, six, seven churches here in the U.S. from the ground up. <laughs> My dad was on his dying days. He was sitting in a chair. He had bone cancer. They told my dad, said, you're going to, they gave him bottles of painkillers huge bottles of painkillers and said, take as many as you need. It doesn't matter. Eat them like candy because the cancer you have is the most painful form of cancer known to man. My dad took one of those before he died, just one. The doctors didn't understand it. The doctor kept saying, you've got to be in pain. He said, he said, your bones are literally being eaten. Your nerves are being destroyed. You, you have to be in agony. No. I said, Dad, what's going on? He said, I asked Jesus to take care of me. One day we were sitting alone in his living room. I could tell he was deep in thought. He was hunched over, getting old now, looking at the ground. I said, you okay, Dad? Looked up, big tears. I said, are you scared? He said, Lord, no. I said, what's wrong? He said, I hope I've done enough for Jesus to please him. Are you kidding me right now? Over 60 years of ministry, had the fastest growing church in the United States in the apostolic movement at one point, left it to go to the Philippines and make less than $20,000 a year. Are you kidding me right now? He said, buddy, only what we do for Christ will last And he said, son, I just want you to remember something. When you're sitting in this chair that I'm in and you're facing your last days, uh, none of the stuff you've done will make any difference to you except for what you did for God. That's all that's going to have any meaning to you. So I said, dad, same day, same conversation a few minutes later. I said, dad. Why is it that we don't see miracles in the church like the old timers used to tell us about? 
and without hesitation, instantly he, he responded. He didn't think about it instantly. He, he knew what the answer was. He said, we have insurance. I said, come again, Pop? He said, well, buddy, you didn't have insurance. When you got sick, me and your mother had to, to trust God. He said, we are so blessed in the North American church. He said, we complain more than we ever have about what we don't have. He said, but we're more blessed than we've ever been. He said this, he said, our blessings have robbed us of total trust and dependence on God. He said, we don't even ask God to heal us. That's why we're not seeing supernatural things. We pick up the phone and call a doctor to heal us. And he said, it's really crazy because doctors are just practicing and God fearfully and wonderfully made us. I'm not preaching against doctors. I don't like them. And if I go to one, I'm about to die. But it dawned on me, we have largely lost the supernatural demonstration of God's power in the apostolic movement because we have lost sacrifice. We have preached and bought into the lie that God intends for me to drive the biggest car and live in the finest house and wear the best clothes. That's not what my Bible tells me. My Bible tells me that you're gonna be hated for Christ's sake. Oh, I know it's not popular. You just go ahead and sit there and look at me if you want to. But I am telling you the truth. I am preaching to you the real word of God. Uh, there will be days that you will suffer for the cause of Christ. Uh, there will be nights you will lay up bed and you will weep because of the way you were done and treated. Uh, but it drives me crazy when we fast and pray and beg God to use me. And then when he does, we cry because we feel used. You're schizophrenic. Stop it. Oh, God, use me. Well, I feel so used. They beat him. Till they tore chunks of flesh out of his back and he had done nothing wrong. They did it to him for me and for you. And we get all twisted out of shape when we have a little financial difficulty. I'm telling the truth. I, I'm not trying to be ugly. I promise I'm not. Because I can tell you four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve, two or three days worth of stories of people in my church that are unbelievably financially blessed right now. But it wasn't always that way. Somewhere, somewhere, you're going to have to walk a road that's dark hurts 
And I'm going to tell you, parents, what's worse? What's worse than you having to walk through it? Watching when God starts doing your children. I've laid in the floor of our church and prayed, God, give it to me. Don't put it on my boys. No, you asked me to use your children. God, I meant, I meant let them preach conferences. That, that'll come. But today, we're going to the whipping post. You see, my dad told me, and it blew my mind. He said, the reason why that we don't see the supernatural is because we don't live in the sacrificial. He said, and the Glock on the supernatural only has one key, and it is the sacrifice of people called after his name. So I began to study, and this leapt off the page at me. Can you please put up Mark chapter 12, verse 41? Now I told the, the staff before church that this is going to be more teaching than preaching, and it is. The problem is that I've heard people preach about sacrifice since I was born. I'm sure all have heard messages of sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. The problem is nobody's ever defined it. This guy's definition when he would preach would be different from this dude and this one and this one and on down the line and I never could get anybody to give me a straight answer. And I'm not this smart. I promise you, ask my wife. So I know this was God and one day I'm studying totally unrelated subject and I'm sitting and I'm reading this passage for something else I'm preparing and all of a sudden, Holy Ghost opened it up to me. So, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. Everybody say the offering bench. And he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were, everybody say it. That ain't everybody. Y'all look at me. Everybody said, and many that were cast in much. We live in a world where here the wealthy should pay their fair share. It's all about political division, trying to divide one group from another group. What politicians do, it's how they make their money. Social engineering. That's not church, by the way. That should have no place in here. There's not a Parthian, a Mede, a Greek, a Jew, none of that. There's not a black, a white, a Hispanic, an Indian, either kind, blah, 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 or dot in the forehead. None of that exists. There's just lost and saved. That's all that exists. Everybody said they were rich. And they cast in much. 
Well, much to a rich man is different than much to me. Next verse. And there came a certain poor widow. Here we go again. Every time God's gonna teach his people about money, he's gonna use a poor widow. And she threw in two mites. Everybody say, it's about enough for a Coke. If you're not in an expensive restaurant. Which makes a farthing. Next verse. And when he called unto him his disciples. Now watch this. You gotta set it for you. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Can we agree with that? Anybody ever heard of the incarnation? Jesus Christ was the face of God. Ergo, that's Latin for so we understand. Ergo sum, if you want to be technical with the Latin term. In other words, the total of the matter boiled down is this. He knew he was facing a cross. And when you study this, pastor, this was literally within 72 hours of them physically nailing him to a tree. Jesus thought it was so vital to teach his disciples about money and sacrifice that Facing his own execution, he made time to teach them what I'm teaching you. When all of the wealthy people came by and cast in vast sums of money, Jesus didn't say a word. He didn't move. He just sitting there watching. No big deal. Rich people casting in money. That's what they do. But here come widow. Something about them widows with Jesus. Here comes a widow. She cast in two mites, which makes a farthing, and Jesus lost his mind. He jumped up and said, did you see that? Did you see it? He called his disciples. Hey, 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 hey. Look at, did you see that? And said to them, verily I say, in other words, listen up. This is vitally important. Really, I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, we're going to do it Marine Corps style. This poor widow has cast. We're still not there. This poor widow has cast. More in than all they, everybody say combined than all they which have cast into the treasury. It just said that wealthy people came by and cast in a bunch of money, big sums, and Jesus went to nuts. He went crazy. She has given more than all of them. I'm sure the disciples were thinking, well, you know, it's been a stressful week thus far. It's the Passion Week. You know, things are coming to a head, and he's under a lot of stress and pressure. Maybe the Lord has lost his noodle. Next verse, then he explains it, and this is where he defines sacrifice, and I don't care what anybody else says, this is Jesus himself defining sacrifice. This is what sacrifice is to Jesus. 
For all they did cast in of their abundance. Everybody say superfluous. The literal word translates into English superfluous. Superfluous is a fancy word that means unnecessary. Sister, they gave that money and their kids were still going to the same colleges. They gave that money, they were still buying the new cars. They were still going on the European vacation. They were still buying the lake house. They were still going to go and do all that they were going to do. They were going to eat out in the finest restaurants all week long because they're rich and it's what they do. And that money didn't mean anything to them. And it didn't cost them anything in lifestyle. They gave it. They forgot it. Nothing changed in their lifestyle. Their day-to-day life went on like it was uninterrupted and nothing was given. God is not interested in your stupid money. God wants to see that the money you give will require a change in your lifestyle. So you want to know how Jesus defines sacrifice? Jesus defines sacrifice not as an amount of money, but as an amount of money where you, I don't know if you're married, are you married? One day, you'll get some guy that doesn't know what he's doing, and he'll, he'll ask, and then you can train him like our wives trained us. Honey, is it cold in here? And he'll go turn the air down. Honey, don't you think that... We need to, this doesn't match. Don't you think, sure, baby, let's go to the store and buy something new. And you have us trained. We know, we're aware, we're not monkeys, we're aware, but, but, but we, it's just easier, okay? Talk, my boys, if your wife asks, does this make her look big? The answer is always no. And there can be no hesitation from when she stops speaking and you start. Does this make me look big? No. But one day you'll marry, you'll have a child. You'll love that child. The child will be a beautiful little baby. Hopefully if it's a Varnell child, it'll be a, a little girl. We can't get any. We just have boys. Trucks and guns and ear leases. That's all we get. If Zach and Chloe have a little girl, I'm going to be 95 years old passing out smiley faces at Walmart trying to pay for what I'm going to buy her. You want a new car? Sure. Come with Papa. Come on. Poppy, get you whatever you want, baby girl. You come on. And whatever you do is right every time. It's always right. You're right. Your parents are ludicrous. Cannot believe they want you to be disciplined to go to bed on time. They're dumb. You got dumb parents. I'm sorry. I will get even with them suckers. They about killed me. I'm going to get them. you're going to want that child to go to the best school. You know why? Because something happens when you see your child. Instantly, you love on a level you never loved before. You didn't even know it was possible. And they told me I would feel that way about my children. I went, yeah, right, okay. They're going to eat my food and poop on everything and pee on me. And me wake up in the middle of the night thinking, am I swimming? No. Oh, God, come on, dude. How'd you get in my bed? Go to your bed. All the parents said, 
I know they tell y'all, oh, it's so magical to be married and have children. No, it's not. Quit lying to people. It's hard work and they stink. And they tear up everything worth anything in your house. And then they get sick and you worry you to death. And then you want to, they hide from you and you want to beat them for scaring you. But you're going to want that baby to have everything you never had. You are. But you're going to realize very soon that there are classes of people in this world. And I'm probably not in the class that's going to be able to give your child what the Rockefellers gave their child. I've been around wealthy people. They live in another universe. They don't live in the same world you live in. You go to the airport and go through security. They go in their car through a gate to their plane. It's a different world. Ain't nobody patting them down. If you want to blow yourself up, blow your plane, stupid. And then God is going to ask you in a service like this one, with all of the plans you have for your baby, God's going to ask you, do you want her or him to have a supernatural covering in their life? And you're going to have to decide between stuff you can give them here and stuff you can give them here. Now watch me, and I'm done. Ushers, get ready. You fellas, go sit down. It's up for you. You're the pastor. You can do anything you want. Biggest gorilla in the room. You do whatever you want to do. Came from me and my boys being at the zoo one day, and they were in trying to get this the gorillas cleaned and fed, and there was this one gorilla, and they just didn't seem to be bothering him. And I asked the guy, I said, why don't you do that? He said, he's the biggest gorilla in the room. You don't tell the biggest gorilla in the room what to do. So that's where that came from. You don't look like a gorilla. Ushers are fixing to pass among you. Now, I'm going to teach you something, okay? And I want you to listen very carefully to me. You say, well, Pastor Varner, you should have took the offering when we were all emotional. No, I'm taking the offering on purpose when we're not emotional because I don't want you to make an emotional commitment. I want you to make a mind commitment. I'm not here for your money. I'm not. I'm here to unlock some things in your life. We did not see one single miracle in our church, not one, in almost 12 years, 12 and a half years. God gave me a vision to take a, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll get back up here. I'm in the bad lighting area and that's driving the, the camera people crazy. I'll get back up here and let that ball spot shine for y'all. Spray paint, they, they sell spray paint for your head, you know that? Spray paint. We didn't see one miracle until we started doing this. And every year in our church, we have what we call Supernatural Sunday. Church of 250 people. We're crammed in a room. Honest to God, I put 250 people in a section like this as big as our building is, from here to that wall. 
the back wall, probably where I'm standing. Dude, when you shout in our church, you do it straight up and down. You got to kind of lean over to lift your hand up, and then you got to straighten back up. We have no outside aisles. We have a one-chair aisle down. They go all the way to the back wall, and, and we get her filled up. If I'm standing preaching and I get excited and go like that, I just kick somebody in the face. Man, we're st- they're dropping the steel off for our brand new building tomorrow, and we're going to have 70% of it in cash. But that church has raised and paid off probably eight to ten million dollars worth of stuff in the last 13 or 14 years with sacrifice offerings. This is not your tithes. This is not your regular offering. This is a special sacrificial gift you're going to give to God. Now watch me. If you can give the amount you're going to give today and you're going to go out of here and go eat, And you're going to go out of here and you're still going to buy the same car you planned on. And you're still going on the same vacation you planned on. You did not sacrifice. You gave an offering. God will be good to you for giving an offering. That's all good and fine. But if you want to unlock supernatural provision, I'm talking about where, watch me, you don't get the money back you gave. You get the money back every year that you gave for the rest of your life. Now look at me. Look at my eyes right now. Everybody in this room, focus on my hide. I'm fixing to teach you something. We have misinterpreted what sacrifice is, and we have misinterpreted what blessings are. Everybody say ROI. That's an accounting term for return on investment. God is not interested in returning to you what you gave. For years, I've heard these stories. I gave $5,000 and went down to the mailbox. Three weeks later, somebody sent me a check for $5,000. I didn't even know I had this money coming. God gave me my money back. You did not get blessed. You just traded money with God. Church got $5,000. Great. That's awesome. But that's not what God wants to do. That is not the purpose of giving. And that's where we've got it wrong. That's why we dread giving and offerings because we've got it wrong. Biblically, it's wrong. What God wants to do, watch me, is not give you your stupid money back. He wants to elevate your station in life. Let me explain it. Let me explain it. To be blessed means for God to supernaturally add to you. Not to give you back what you gave him. That's called provision. But God wants to bless. And blessing looks like this. I told the staff, Evan and Janelle Primo. Evan was making $9.80 an hour, I believe, cutting grass for a man in our church, trying to work and save his money so that he could buy his own lawn equipment and start his own landscaping business. There's good money in that where we are. Maybe here too, I don't know, but good money of that in Virginia. We too fat and lazy to mow our own grass. So we call young people with lawnmowers and say, do that. <laughs> 
He had about, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars saved up. He had to have enough to buy a truck, a trailer, two lawn mowers. Got to have one if one breaks down, uh, and all the other paraphernalia that goes with it: blowers, weed eaters, edgers. I don't know what all goes. But I don't do grass. And boys, uh, I will beat thee. Uh, we had a first, our first sacrifice Sunday. And he's a young boy. He's probably 17 years old, 18 years old, like that. 19, maybe, maybe 20, I don't know. They, when, you're, when you're not almost 60 like me, you're a kid. All of you. 40-year-olds are kids. I used to have people call me a kid, and I would think I'm a grown man. But now that I'm their age, I'm a kid. The Holy Ghost moved on Evan when I told him about sacrifice. It's not how much money you give today. It's what that amount of money is going to cause you in choices in the next three to four months. I'm not going to be able to eat out for lunch every day at work. I'm going to have to brown bag it. I'm not going to be able to buy the car this year, honey. We're going to have to wait another year and patch this car together because we're giving the down payment money. We may have to send the kids to junior college. They may not be able to go to the university. That's sacrifice. And sacrifice results in elevation. So please let me teach you this, and then we're going to receive the offering. Our ushers are standing by and ready. I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to release them. What elevation looks like is that Evan said, I'm going to give this much money. Well, he pledged more than was in his accounts. Because not only did he want to give everything he had, he wanted to have faith that God was going to help him do more. Wow. You say, well, that's not good stewardship. He's young. My God, he can make it 31 times. Who cares? Start over. So he pledged the amount. Two or three weeks later, he called my wife at almost 11 o'clock at night. Now, we have a rule in our church. Somebody better be dead if you call me at 11 o'clock at night. Somebody better be dead, laid out, cold if you call me at 11 o'clock because I went to bed at 10. So, phone rings 11 o'clock and I simply rolled over and said, somebody better be dead. If somebody's not dead, I'm going to be really disappointed. And he's on the phone crying. He said, you're not going to believe what happened. Oh, I said, what, 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 Evan? And he grew up in my house like he's one of my kids. What, what's going on, buddy? He said, God made a way miraculously for me to have the entire amount today. He said, can I bring you the check right now? She said, well, baby, you can put it in the offering. He said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. He said, I, I got to get this to God right now. He had this urgency about it. I've got to get this to God. She said, well, I guess. So she got up and put her robe on. Not the pretty one either. The one with the holes. And, you know, they don't comfortable until you can read the newspaper through them. And uh, staggered down to the door. And about 30 minutes later, he pulls up, walks up to the door, tears running down his face, gives her the check and said, that feels so much better getting rid of that. I'm like, huh? I don't have time to tell you the whole story. He was single. He prayed for a godly wife. God brought him a young lady named Janelle. 
Janelle Bimbry, over on the coast. Beautiful, blonde, got that complexion that when the sun shines, it reflects back to God off of her skin. It does not absorb it at all. You know, those really white people, I'm not, not like the really white people. Like, put your leg under the cover, we can't turn the lights out. Janelle has a master's in accounting. They have a beautiful little baby girl who I'm doing my very best to make as rotten as a human being can be. Named Reagan. She's one of the joys of my life, getting to see her grow up. For you young men, you don't understand that yet, but you will one day. You get great joy out of watching the babies come up. Just, it's what life's about. At some point, it dawns on you, it's not about you, it's about them. I don't remember all the details of the story. Suffice it to say that Evan went in four years, I believe it was four, four and a half years, he went, watch me, from making $9.80 an hour to now he runs as assistant manager of an entire DuPont plant. Four years. Makes right at a quarter million. say, well, how does that happen? God elevates us. I'm not going to tell y'all what he gave last year in Sacrifice Sunday, but it was probably five times what he made before he gave his first Sacrifice Sunday in a year. I told our church, I said, when we get in our new building, I'm going to give y'all a year or two off from sacrificing and Supernatural Sundays. We had an older gentleman in the back stand up, begin to weep. He said, we don't do this. You don't talk out in our church. I said, up, said, Pastor, can I say something? I said, yes, sir. He was a good man. I said, sure. He said, please don't take a two years off. He said, this has taken my family financially and spiritually further than I could have ever dreamed we could do. I have people in my church that will retire wealthy people and it's all because of what we're about to do right now. Come on, ushers. Now listen to me. You say, I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich. You say, well, Brother Varnell, man, I liked it better when you were preaching and we were at the front. No, no, this is on purpose. This is on purpose. Tonight, we'll get out here and dance. I'll preach a little bit tonight. I'll try. But this morning, I want us to do something. Now watch me. Come on, ushers. You can move among them, pass out the pens, the envelopes, and the commitment cards. Pastor called me, and when he did, there were two times in that conversation I told you where I felt a witness of the Spirit. The distinct witness of the Spirit. And both times, there was a word used. It was called quantum you remember that, Bishop? He used the word quantum, and when he did, the Holy Ghost shook me twice. Now, don't fill out your cards yet. Just hold on. I can tell you story after story. My church administrator works for the police department. Started a little ice cream trailer. It's absolutely exploded. I went with him the other night to get the next trailer. 
fixing to bring him another trailer in a couple of weeks. He can't keep up. People just lined up, throwing money at him. He's given as much as 30% of his total income per year sometimes in one of the offerings, if I understand it correctly. So they're passing among you. Now, for those of you who are just, just everybody relax, all right? We're gonna be about 10 more minutes and we're gonna be out of here. That's Pentecostal minutes. That could be important. Not good with math. Everybody got a card. When you have a card, ushers, we got them all. Everybody served. Still doing over here? Still over here on the side? Now, some of you are sitting here going, God, I'm not rich. I don't have a bunch of money. It's not about how much money you have. It's about how much the amount you put on that card is going to cost you in lifestyle choices in the next few months. So before you fill it all out, we're gonna pray. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. I believe everybody has been served. Everybody has a card. Is that correct, gentlemen? Is that correct? All right, here's what we're gonna do. By the way, I won't preach this long tonight. I'll preach short tonight, like I did last time I was here. If y'all turned me the service and it was over the moon and I wasn't about to bring it down and try to pick it back up, so I just went with it. All right, everybody has your card. Everybody has your card. Everybody has your card. I'm still waiting, there's still people moving. I'm waiting on you, I'm waiting on you. Pens, we got pens. All right, here we go. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head and I want you to pray earnestly right now for one thing. What do you want me to do? Lord, I want to be led of your spirit today. I don't want to be emotional. I don't want to go, man, God, I want to give everything I have. No, I want to be led of the spirit today. And I want what I give you to unlock the supernatural blessings of God in my life. And I'm not asking for these blessings, Lord, for me and my family only. I'm asking so that next year in this offering, I can give twice as much. And the year after that, twice as much. I'm asking you to elevate me year by year because I want to fund the revival that God has for this church. Now, God, I'm asking you to speak to your people. Give them what you would have them to give to you. And God, let them understand that sacrifice is all that unlocks the supernatural. Just like you fed the widow woman and her son and all of her household, you're going to do the same thing for us when we do the same thing that she did. 
Lord, I ask you to use these funds to empower this church to buy their own place. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Everybody said in Jesus' name. All right, here's where we are. You noticed in the text I read to you in the beginning that God had to command the prophet to go to Zarephath, right? You remember that? There's a reason why God had to command the prophet to go because the prophet was going to ask a poor widow woman who was starving to death for her last morsel of bread. There's not a man, a preacher alive worth his salt that thinks like that. Brother, men aren't made like that. When we see a widow woman starving to death, we don't go ask her for the last she's got. We try to figure out a way to help her. That's what men do. It's the way God made us. We're providers, right? Well, your pastor, I, I don't want to ask you for money. I want to bless you with money. That's what a pastor, he wants to give. But God commanded the man of God to ask them. Are you with me? So here I am, commanded of God to come and ask you. And I am asking you for one thing. Whatever you're about to write on that page, make sure that it meets his definition of sacrifice. If you can give $5,000 and nothing's going to change, that's not sacrifice. But if you can only give $500 and it's going to really, really change your lifestyle for a time, that's sacrifice. Now I'm asking you right now, we've prayed. I want you to start. I want you to write down your amount that you're going to give. What you're going to give in cash today, if you brought it with you, what you're going to pledge in 90 days and then add those two together and put a total and we're fixing to receive them. I need my two ushers right over here on this side in the front right now. You two gentlemen right here. We're going to do this by section. Now, I might need a couple of praise singers that can sing. I might even get Bishop up here and make him work a little bit. Amen. I like to hear him sing. My only consolation is I can't sing like him. I can't preach like him. My only consolation is that I'm looking that's the only consolation I got. I'm just better looking, amen. If I didn't have that, I'd be really feeling rough about myself. All right, ushers, if you will, come stand right up here in the front, and we're gonna have a march. They've been sitting long enough. We're gonna have a march. I hope these things are sturdy. All right, everybody in this section, got your card filled out? Let me see your hands, hands, hands. All right, everybody stand. Bishop, is it okay if I do two sections at once? Is it okay to save time because I'm really hungry? All right, gentlemen, let's scooch over this way. Scooch is a very technical English term. It means to slide. These two sections right here, if you'll stand up and Brahman, bring your card. One is for the offering cash you're giving today. Lift your hand, brother. One is for the pledge card. Come now, let's go. Everybody in these two sections. Everybody marching, let's go. Everybody, not everybody at once, but everybody, come on. Now, 
what you're fixing to learn is what you can accomplish as a church when everybody sacrifices. And I have a good idea that it's going to blow your mind. I told y'all this was not going to be normal. Not going to be like we do normally. Tonight will be normal. This morning we're going to move the kingdom forward. Somebody said amen. You have 90 days to return these pledges. If you take 91 days, we had a committee meeting. We're still going to take your money at 91 days. We decided. But 92, we're going to have to pray about it. Some of y'all smile. You're scaring me. All right, hold on. Brother, brother, were you in this section or this section? Neither section. All right. Still coming, still coming. Everybody? Is everybody that's giving in this side giving yet? Are we still waiting? Still more? Come on, everybody. You two, these two sections. Come on, everybody, everybody, everybody. Quickly. Bishop's getting hungry, I can tell. He's rocking. Has everybody in these two sections that's going to pledge, pledged? Everybody. All right. Take the one with the pledges up here, the ones with the money, wherever y'all take the money. I don't know what y'all do with it. We got one more coming. One more coming, one more coming. I need the pledge cards here on the platform immediately, if not sooner. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. You two gentlemen coming here. All right, everybody in these two sections, this side, brother in the blue suit, is that blue? It's bluer than this suit. This dude right here with the nice shoes on and the good hair. Any hair is good hair, brother. Just keep that in mind. Um, He's going to receive your cash it's today that's in your envelope. This brother's going to take your cards. Everybody in these two sections, come hither.
no, 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 no. You need to give them a card. I need the cards that were turned in. All right, everybody listen to me. Don't put your cards in the envelopes and seal them because now they got to tear all the cards off. I'm hungry. They got to tear all the cards off. Now they got to separate them all out. All of you over here, do not put the cards in the envelopes. Is that right? Okay. It's going to take a little bit longer, but we're going to get it. In Jesus' name. Are y'all getting close back there, brethren? in these two sections that's going to pledge given your stuff. All right, you can take those, bring them back up here. Well, thank you for your patience. We had a little snafu here. We thought we had it all covered. total here pretty quick on the first section first two sections over here so brother Barnell why do you do these totals because I like to rejoice with what God has done I like for Satan to know what's coming at him he's always tormenting us I want to get my turn these ladies are trying to get us accurate totals spoken to you to give a couple hundred thousand dollars today. All right, just want to make sure. Normally by now we've already gotten second section totals, but we had them all 
bound up in envelopes. We'll get it. We're all hungry. Can you hurry? No pressure at all, just... It's going to be a great day. Well, praise God, we're fixing to see him. Mister, you're going to have to go, like, stand over there if I'm going to read that. People always put it closer to me. Now. All right, put it up there as soon as you get it. The first section. The first section. The first section. All right, where's my ushers at? I need two ushers right here. We're going to get this section. This looks like a rich section over here. Like a really rich section. I don't know why. Like a rich section. A couple of you guys in here look like you got enough money to buy something. All right, we've already gotten, brother, these two, these two sections right here. Okay. Cash. Pledge cards, do not put them in the envelopes. Come on, let's go, let's give. The first section. First section. I'm begging you the first section. There we go. First two sections gave $92,122. 15 cents. Somebody ought to give the Lord Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I feel like singing Joy Bells, but y'all probably don't know that song. You know that song? We're going to get in trouble. We better not do that. We get in trouble around here. We forgot about offering. I didn't know you knew that. I'm taking you back to Virginia with me. My musicians don't know the old stuff. I called for a song, and they just got a dumb look on their face. All right, everybody's giving that's going to give. 
Everybody that's pledged in this section, these two sections. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody. All right. Do we have the second section? All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I don't know what you're expecting today, but I think God's going to move us forward in a quantum leap. And we're going to come back tonight. I'm going to mess around a little bit, preach just a little bit, but we're going to worship and thank God for what he did this morning. let, let, Let me give you something right here. Let me give you something that the Holy Ghost gave me a couple weeks ago. I've been preaching this all over the country. When God was creating the heavens and the earth, there was nobody there but him. Nobody there but God. And so he made the six days of creation. And on the first day, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he did something that hit me the other day. Bishop Williams, he said, let there be light. There was light. And then the Bible says, and God said, that's good. It is good. The Hebrews codified that sentiment that when God does something that's good, they say, amen. And it dawned on me. All the way through creation, he would create, it would happen, he would speak, it would happen, and he would speak again and say, it's good. Oh boy, watch me. After God created man, he never affirmed his own word again. He never said, what I have done is good, because that's why he created you. He don't have to say what I've done is good. That's your job. Y'all didn't get that one. He don't praise himself anymore. He made us to do it. Now, all of you young preachers, take that and preach it and don't even mention my name. Act like you made that up. You ain't stealing. You ain't trying hard enough. All right, here we go. They're getting close. Oh. I'm on. Well, y'all get ready to work a bit. If I'm reading that right. Oh, yeah, this is my number. Whoa. All right. Between that section and these sections, we have a new total of, this thing don't listen to me.
got over here yet. I wish I was younger. I'd, 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 I'd cut a rug up here. Don't even know what cut a rug means. Come on, y'all, look at me. Y'all just gave between these four sections a quarter of a million dollars. Rock Church is about to own their own church. Come on. Rock Church is about to own their own church. save a little bit. Just hold on. We're finna get it to another total here in just a minute. Finna blow the roof off this joint. 
control this morning. We're telling the key. Yes.